You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the Deep. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with someone that is literally changing the face of technology as we know it. Joining us on the podcast this week was Brandon Cooper. And Brandon currently serves as the co-founder and CEO of AFID, which is a financial tech company that allows you to create a digital version of yourself. And in doing so, it allows you to make money. My dude is changing the whole game. He is currently holding it down on the West Coast, California to be exact, Black entrepreneur, and you can't get any more Detroit than that. Shout out to my dude, Montez Allen, for connecting the two of us. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I enjoy recording it. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Brandon Cooper. All right. This is Detroit Worldwide. And joining me today is an individual that is doing some amazing things in the world of technology and entrepreneurship. Who we have on the podcast today is the one and only Brandon Cooper. And Brandon is going to be talking about many different things on this episode, including the launch of his company, AFIT. And we're just going to keep it loose, keep it live. We're going to keep it Detroit as we always do. So, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. My G, what up, though? What up, though? Appreciate you having me, man. Glad to be here. So... Before we get started, bro, I was wondering if you could begin by telling our listening audience more about yourself, including some of the work that you currently do. Yeah, obviously from Detroit, west side of Detroit, just really self-taught tech entrepreneur. I was taught by my uncle or in my in my teens, really got me introduced to computers. He was always doing some Bill Gates stuff in his basement and teaching by a whole bunch of I didn't really understand until I got older, but that was my introduction into it. But just a hungry entrepreneur, man, really just come from like a nomadic background and everything. And um, most of where I am now just comes from pain. And I was able to channel that into creativity. So that's really what makes up Brandon Cooper. So you coming from the West Side. I'm also a West Sider, Finkel and Evergreen. What was your experience like growing up in the D, bro? Detroit was good to me, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm still here. The west side is different from the east side. You can tell who's on the west, who's the east most of the time. But uh, Detroit was good to me, man. Uh, 
the, the schools and everything and the people the my neighbors I think are very undervalued the village was really really great to me so yeah man that's that's what I, I think about Detroit man it, it got me right where I am today so I know you and Ted said y'all grew up in a, around the same neighborhood what was it like back then growing up it was the best to be honest with you I mean we hooped every day all day every day the reason why we don't have the guts that we don't that we have now <laughs> stayed in shape because that's all we did was play basketball but yeah, water gun fights, paintball fights, you know, ding, ding, ditch, you name it. We we did everything around the neighborhood, around the hood. That was that was really because we we were over by um, Schaefer, so my area, is seven mile area for my my teenage years. That's where we were, not far from Montford. Everyone who's familiar with the area and everything, but that's that's where we were. We just had fun every day, man. Watch Friday, sitting under the AC. <laughs> that that was our that was our day, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point in your life did you become interested in technology? I know you said your uncle kind of introduced you to it, but right. when did that exactly happen? I really didn't grasp it all the way until about 2010 is when I actually went all the way into technology. Some people know I used to, I was actually with Universal Music Group as an artist. So I had always written music since I was 11. And um, I decided to switch gears towards tech around that time, around 2011. I started off around 19 or so. That was my introduction into entrepreneurship. But um, yeah, that, that's when it really, I said, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. I was going to say, man, you're not going to just go ahead and slip that I was an artist in, man, and I talk about <laughs> it, man. What kind of music were you doing? Uh, hip-hop music. I was pretty much on the brink of going to that next level and I actually stopped on my own because of the stereotypes and I wanted to do something different for our people. I didn't want to be the oh this is the rapper turned businessman and, and there's nothing against people that make music and my peers around me someone even called me a musical genius. I even have my if you've ever seen the untold story of Detroit Hip Hop it's on uh, Amazon Prime that's my song at the end of the documentary that the song going into the credits around the corner i had different cameos in the uh documentary as well which is awesome i was able i mean i'm blessed to have lived different lives i, I think I've, with basketball music and then now tech i think i've jamie fox did right i've been able to hit different industries <laughs> in one lifetime i'm really fortunate that's the way that i see it i, I, I know i chose the right path with tech but yeah, man, music was great. I had like demo songs with Rihanna. I've never met her in person or anything like that, but we just kind of threw through their team. They just, you know, like, like European demos and stuff like that. And work with Bone Crusher at the time when he was pretty hot. We had a song together, Petey Crack. Bone Thugs and Harmony was really what got me into music being younger. The East 1999 was that, that was that one right there. I was like, oh, yeah, man. And we had the, we had the, the, the recorders where you could put the cassette tapes in them you can actually hit record on them and it would just it would record everything it heard and me and my friends would just make music and we used to record on the computer when burning cds was hot we would throw the memorace in there and then we would rap on the beats that from the ones we got from napster i mean those days was really really cool man but i had a good time man I had a good time in music and had nice packed out shows and i got to feel some of the life and, and what it was but i also saw the the grim realities of it, the bad side of it, the business side of it is 
very messy and it wasn't the energy that served me anymore. So I decided to switch to a different frequency. Man, you talk about somebody dropping a, a 360 in an interview. This is an exclusive because I didn't know this part of your background, bro. And what's yeah, interesting is yeah. I'm hearing you talk, bro. I also used to do music. I was an MC way back in the day. I probably didn't do it on a grander scale as you did because you were out here on Amazon and doing documentaries and stuff like that. But from one former MC to another former MC, talk about that time of your life and maybe how it gave you a sense of pride or a sense of confidence. Yeah, I believe... It did, did both, right? It, it gave me a sense of confidence, but also the content I was making, it felt like I was ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the hours and the money I was putting into it wasn't meriting any result. It, it wasn't my content because of the people in the industry. I know they heard my music, that listened to it, celebrities or whoever heard my music and people really, really like it. It's just about who has a break or not, right? Mm-hmm. Like Big Sean was able to actually be heard you know, through Kanye, right? Maybe J. Cole didn't meet Jay-Z, does he become J. Cole? It's really just about the, the destiny that God really sets for you. But the confidence it gave me in re-rocking shows and everything, and, and all the women around and all that kind of stuff in your section, and you get a feel the glamour and everything. But I also knew what it was like, it's so crazy, but I knew what it was like to why celebrities go through what they go through because it could be so many people around you but you just feel like you were by yourself. I felt that even on me just having a decent amount of people. I've had decent amount of people at my show and I've been places where it's completely empty. It's probably 10 people in there. I've, I've felt both, but I see how people can feel all of this. The world is there for them and then they become a has-been or these type of things happen for people and then they go to suicide and because everything is just based on vanity. and so That's why I was the wrong energy. But So I say that to say the confidence was there in the beginning. And then it wasn't a lack of confidence, but it was more like, well, this isn't the efforts that I'm putting in. You know, you want a certain type of reaction. And this is obviously before like Instagram videos and everything was was happening because had I had those particular things for it to come out, it would have changed the narrative for me too. And I probably could possibly have still been doing music right now with the different circumstances. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, video been on MTV and all that kind of stuff. I got it. Been on the radio, Hot 107.9 in Atlanta. Uh, that was pretty cool, and that, that's all I really needed to be honest with you. I got a taste of it. Man, so I do want to get back to you being introduced to technology. You said your uncle kind of introduced you. Was there like any particular piece of technology that he introduced you to that made you want to like invest your life into it? Nothing in particular. It was really just the introduction for me to to take it serious. Mm-hmm computers were I mean back then we had dial up so everything was still pretty new we had AOL you know our screen names and everything so it was really kind of early it wasn't we didn't have all of this technology we have where people were building applications or even knew the first step of what it takes to actually build a website right there were no templates or anything like that I mean programming is something that was a little more foreign even though we had classes like that in school growing up, I think sixth grade, I had Miss Joyner went to Commonwealth Academy on schoolcraft, but we had programming there. So I, I didn't really think about what the name of the class was until I got older and said, oh, I had programming class. It was, this was computer programming. It sounds really stupid, but 
I really just didn't understand really what was going on. It was just, we thought we were just punching things to the computer. I didn't really understand it all the way. So that's just me kind of looking back saying, okay, I, I see where that was. And it was just great to, even to be in Detroit, to have that in the curriculum, I think is really, really important. But anyway, so it was not that nothing that my uncle necessarily did outside of the introduction itself. Okay. So then there's a follow-up question. How did your early involvement in technology influence the way you saw the world back then? Um, that's a, that's a tough question. I didn't see it any other way back then, honestly, in any other way other, other than being a consumer of what was fed to me. I didn't see it in the, in the way of a creator or uh, a developer. I naturally have the inventor gene, but it didn't kick in in computers until I got older. I always, as any kid did, we, me and my closest friends, we built things in the basement, like hardware stuff. We put boxes on skateboards or we, we would sled mattresses and all this kind of stuff down the stairs. We, we were inventors back then, creating tents, like putting real tall chairs together and putting, I mean, just things that any kid probably would do. But um, in terms of computers, that didn't kick in until I got a lot older. Okay. So you went to D. You spent most of your life there until you transitioned over to Michigan State and you spent three years there. So I guess my first question is, what initially led you to Michigan State? And then the second part of that question, what prompted you to look elsewhere? I, I initially, one of the big factors for me, my sister went to Michigan State. So I kind of wanted to keep it in the family. My sister went to State. I'm going to go to State too. She pushed me really hard to apply. I didn't even want to apply. I never really excelled well in school. It's not because I wasn't a good student. When I was actually a good student, I was a 3.9, 4.0 student. When I actually applied myself, I, I just never, I think in second grade, I knew that school wasn't for me, to be honest with you. I don't know why I kicked in so early, but it's one of those natural born entrepreneur type of things. One of those stories, that was me. And uh, I didn't know how to explain it back then, but... I never, I was like, why, you know, what am I doing this for, right? Like, what is this, where am I going? And, but anyway, it was between FAMU and Michigan State, and it really came down to a one-night decision. I almost went to FAMU, but I ended up going to Michigan State because of my, my older sister, I think, was the final stamp. And then the, to the latter part of the question, I left State because I just needed something fresh and new, and uh, I was ready for a new beginning, and my sisters were in Atlanta and uh, I had I was doing a, a home-based business uh, alongside with a few of my business partners just basically doing network marketing and one of the key offices was in Atlanta so for me I just went and took that leap and I dropped out after my third year at State. I know you said earlier that you knew as early as second grade the school wasn't for you when you walked away from State after three years of being there what was the thought process like? To actually take the leap, it was pretty easy for me. It was really, really easy for me. I, I always felt, not in an egotistical way, but I always felt like a unicorn where I had the horn sticking out amongst, you know, whatever other animal you want to use on a farm. It was just, I felt, always felt different, right? Not in terms of an outcast or I don't fit in because I was a people's person. I was cool with uh, you know, majority of the people on the campus and everything. So that it wasn't that, but it was really just my soul was talking to me and it just the magnet pulled me to Atlanta during that time. 
So you step away from Michigan State, you go down to Atlanta, Georgia. What did community look like for you down there? Uh, for me, it was more calming. I drove down. I didn't fly to Atlanta. I actually drove. Just being on that highway, I know when I saw Atlanta, I just felt this cloud kind of just mm-hmm. felt, I felt relieved somewhere. And I don't know what it was, but it was just a new beginning for me uh, to, to do a different chapter. Some people, and there's nothing wrong with being at home. I, I think there are people who live in New York their whole life, people who live in LA their whole life. But there are people that I know, my family, and you probably have people in your family have never been outside the city. They don't know. They're set in their ways. They're kind of locked in. And many of them actually don't want to be there, but because it's so unfamiliar to them, they're scared to take that leap. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always had to jump out of the of the plane, have my parachute ready before I jump type of person and just take risks, take leaps. That's always been me. Mm. So then you taking a leap and then you being out there for a number of years because you were out there for a decade plus, weren't you? Mm-hmm. 11 years, yep. 11 years. So then as a follow-up to that question, if you had to think about one or two lessons you learned about yourself during that time, what would they be? I actually learned about comfort zones. Uh, as I've mentioned before, it kind of just piggybacks on what I was just saying there. I think for me to actually take that leap said a lot about myself. It proved a lot to myself mm-hmm. to say, yeah, you, you can get out of environments where you are very, very comfortable. Granted, I did have some family in Atlanta. You know, it was a, sm- a smaller support system. But for me, it was just saying, okay, how bad do you want it, right? What are you willing to do? So Atlanta really taught me a lot about comfort zones, right? And can you establish yourself in new ground? Mm -hmm. That was another part of it. Do you have the ability to go somewhere where you don't know anyone and recreate yourself, to reinvent yourself? We see it with other people and, and things they do, like even music artists, they might start one way and then they switch it up and uh, just to keep the, you know, keep people involved. Even in sports, you have like Ray Allen who started off, he would drive to the hole, he could dunk, mm-hmm. he could shoot threes, he could do everything. But then as his body got a little older, he went into different systems. He adjusted his game to roll off the screens and, and shoot threes and became equally as effective, if not even more effective in the second part of his career in terms of like the clutch shots he hit and things like that. So I apply that same ideology, that same type of logic to my, my life. I love that analogy. So we were talking offline before at a time when you were in Atlanta, and I guess I can maybe ask you this question from the perspective of being an artist. You was Mm -hmm. down there when a lot of shit was popping. You told me offline when Jeezy first came out, when T.I. came out with the Urban Legend and all that, like all the, I'm getting goosebumps is like even talking about it. So you being an artist, bro, like, how did that feel? It was great, man, because that was the clubbing days too. So I mean, yeah. it was club SOs down there. You know, obviously like Magic City and everything, those, those type of places. But <laughs> yeah, A and I had just came out. A and I came out. Uh, he had dropped Paper Trail, so I, mm. I caught some of the recession. Even Jeezy with the recession. But yeah, when I first got down there, man, it was, it was Thug Motivation one on one. It was just man that that music time, all the music that came out during that period. And just being able to party and everything in Atlanta, it was amazing, man. It was, it was amazing. I had such a good time in my, in my 20s in, in Atlanta. 
at that point in your life were you doing music or was it strictly entrepreneurship? Uh, at that time, it was just all music. All I music, had, okay. um, Yeah, all music. And then when I stopped doing music, I had made a pivot. I had another project with um, one of my best friends, Brian. We had a beer pong app. This is when no black people were making apps at all. We were like, um, we had created the app for that. And we had came out with something else called Proximity. Proximity was a, a networking app where you can network with people in the same room as you. You didn't have need business cards. So you can basically just with one button, you can get their LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of that in the room. It was, mm. it was uh, pretty amazing. Might see it revamped uh, one of these days. So, but yeah. And then from there, I just never looked back on music. Man, I mean, again, you being on there at the time that you were on there, we spoke about the albums, you yourself doing music, you using your technology to factor into mm-hmm. the interest of music. I mean, it's not like you had a lot of irons in the fire, bro. Yeah. So at what point did you then decide to shift away and focus on the entrepreneurship in relationship to your company now? Yeah, after proximity, I basically went, put all of my focus into APID. And that was roughly, that happened right after proximity. So just kind of jumped into that and then stay focused on this because I felt this was my apple to Steve Jobs, right? Like this APID is, this is my calling, right? Mark Zuckerberg is Facebook. APID is this for Brandon Cooper. And you know, me and one of my, my friends, we were co-workers at a big tech company. We just left the company and started working on this project. And now we're we're roughly at about 25 people in the company right now. I love it, bro. I love it. And if you can tell our listening audience more about that company, because to me, as you're about to answer that question, I feel like I'm talking to the Black Bill Gates, bro. Tell us more about that company and you know, just some of the work that you all are doing with it. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah, what we're doing is typically you work a job, you trade time for money, right? You go into a job and then you wait two weeks to get paid. We've actually invented a way for you to create a digital version of yourself. And this digital version of yourself works online jobs to sell products and services. When it sells something, you get paid. So now, instead of you going into work to get paid, you're actually omnipresent. So now we have a like a marquee spot. You can have 10 of these different versions of you working on 10 different websites. And if it sells an iPad here, you get commission. If it sells a refrigerator here, you get a commission. So now when you're asleep, you actually have digital version of yourself being a sales agent. And it's no limits to how many versions of you can work at one time. So there, there could be an instance where you might have 200 different transactions happening at one time and you can't outwork 200 people. So this is really taking a job from horse and buggy to a Tesla overnight and patent pending technology. Like if you've seen the matrix where Neo, he downloaded the martial arts or whatever it was. So he learned how to fight. You can bet we have an area in our ecosystem where you can download skill sets to your bots too. So you can have marquee spot one and that one you want to you want it to know Chinese, you can just install it to that bot and it knows Chinese and you can support people in Chinese. So people like my mom or my aunt can actually just get on a subscription, choose what they want their bots to do, the jobs that they want them to work. And then it goes out into the network and starts working for you. 
yeah, it's uh, nothing like this has ever been invented. And it's really just a blessing for me. The insect in aphid is an insect that can clone itself. Mm. Uh, you're basically cloning yourself into a bot. A- an aphid can reproduce itself at such a high rate. It can have 30 babies in a week to the point where the babies are pregnant. And those babies are actually pregnant inside the stomach. And that's without a sexual partner. So they can reproduce through asexual reproduction. If none of the babies died, it's the amount of aphids that would be out here would really be, uh, you know, more than trillions, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's where it comes from. That's what we're working on. The everyday person will be able to tap into a new way to make money while they sleep. They're basically pegging themselves to a machine. These machines make the money. And then for the people who aren't interested in that, we also have aphid for business for the SMBs, which are small and medium-sized businesses they can get a chat bot on their website that can help them sell products or just have customer service 24 7 so if you have a barbershop or if you're a mechanic and people come to your website the bot will greet them then you can train it to respond the way you want it to respond automatically so instead of you repeating yourself the same information to new customers you've now set your life on autopilot now you're just receiving emails and, and payments to your phone or whatever but yeah that's what we're doing of all the people that I've interviewed on this podcast, let me just say this, and I probably should have told you this before, you're the first person that I've interviewed that has a career in technology. So you being here is a lot, is probably what I'm trying to say, but especially as a black man. Let me also just say that. Let me acknowledge that you are a black man. You're a black man straight out of the D doing this stuff. And you're also doing this on the West Coast because I know you relocated from Atlanta. Talk about right. that. How does that feel doing what you're doing, being a black man from Detroit? What does that feeling feel like? Yeah, it's uh, with me leaving Atlanta and coming out to L.A., I, it really, I just exhausted the opportunities of how, trying to say, okay, well, am I, are we going to get funded here? Or is this going to, is it any money here? It's just more money on the West Coast. And then California is just really just known for tech. So I almost went to the Silicon Valley, but I said, well, I want a little bit of a nightlife too. So I went to LA and then I said, LA is wide open. I came here for tech. So there's an area here called Silicon Beach and we're um, one of the emerging companies here in Silicon Beach. And then being from Detroit, it's really just a, uh, a privilege to be able to inspire people whenever I post anything. It's, it's not for myself. You know, I've done many 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 interviews and articles and things like that those are all great things and god-given things but uh it's, every time i do that just for me personally is just to inspire people who look like me for, who are from the city like me just a you know young kid from the west side that you can do it too and and uh don't let them put you in that box that they, they try to put you in and the stereotypes we have a lot of opportunity in this tech field, it is emerging. It's not easy at all. Being an entrepreneur is difficult in general. But um, the, the best thing about being from Detroit is no one hustles harder than Detroit people. New York people hustle. I give them that shout out. New York people hustle hard, but Detroit hustles the hardest. And I think everyone knows that. Don't be put us anywhere. We know how to. We figure it out. We won't have to rent on the 30th. Somehow, on the first, second, we done figured out, we done conjured up the bread, you know what I'm saying? We done got, we done figured it out, right? That's just what Detroit is. And then out here in L.A., you got to be like that, too, because it's not cheap to be out here. I mean, you really got to be on your, you know, on your grind. You know, you got to be on it. 
So um, I, I kind of like that pressure a little bit, to be honest with you. It's pressure and enough me being black in tech, but also being out here, not have, again, this is even more of a step because I left Atlanta. I don't have anybody out here. I'm just, it's just me out here, my girlfriend, we're out here, but that's it. And I like it just like that. I'm in isolation. I'm, at a, I'm able to, to be Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla, Elon Musk right now. I can't do that when I have things pulling me to go things that aren't going to serve my future. A, a big driving force for me. I have a five-year-old son, so it's cool with me teaching him about AI and machine learning and deep learning and meditation and third eye. I, I go to those kind of levels uh, in terms of uh, my practice and what I put into my company and for our company, I don't want to say my company, it's more than me, a part of the company. So let me say that, put that into the spirit of our company and our culture. Mm. Just listening to your story is deeply inspiring. In fact, you being an entrepreneur, I guess a follow-up question I want to ask you is, what sort of advice would you lend to people who want to not only become entrepreneurs, but also just follow their passion? They have to look at everything that's around them like a giant test and illusion, meaning all the setbacks, the naysayers, the pain. It's all just a figment of your imagination. The world actually does revolve around you because the moment you die, there is no life to live for you. So if you look at it from the lens of everything being an illusion, nothing matters but the end goal. And um, I'm paraphrasing it, but there's an anonymous quote the difference between people who make it and don't make it is just the ones who didn't quit and I really just believe that the harder you work or the smarter you work I believe in smart work over hard work the luckier you get and I, I treat because my audiobook is called Wires where I talk about uh, a person's brain is like a computer's hard drive whatever you put on your hard drive is what happens on the computer whatever you program it to do is what happens on your computer your body your brain so if you download negativity viruses listen to broke family members or friends who want to see you do good but not better than them don't support your business don't post anything you do that type of energy people don't say oh well and people have their own lives but to me that's in the negative column so i have to surround myself with people who understand your greatness you have to be around people who are going to not feed an ego but feed your greatness and pull the most out of you to where you're talking to people who are making more moves than you and it's not about money and all of that because at the end of the day it's all about family and everything but I, i'm just in terms of what you asked me about the person listening to be inspired for their career you really have to just keep the end in mind and understand that you're only three feet away from digging gold uh you just can't stop digging Man, I received that, bro. I mean, I'm learning more stuff about you, man. Let me tip my hat off to you for also being a father, too, man. We got to acknowledge our black fathers, especially in a time like this. So, for sure, salute man. to you, King, man. You out here doing sure. it, bro. Same to you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, we are heading into the home stretch. And, and Coop, I got to just thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to jump on here with us on Detroit Worldwide. So, we actually going to take it home for a second for this question. So everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song that best represents Detroit in their opinion, what would that song be? Coop, just given the fact I learned that you did music 20 minutes ago, I am so curious to hear your <laughs> answer. 
when you preface it to me, you already know Blade is always first. Boss Up and Get This Money is just, that's the city song. But for me, that just reminds me of Detroit, of me just riding on Jefferson, everything is Turner to Mac, Mark Morrison. Mm. I don't know why, but that's, that's just that one for me when I'm in the city. You know, I turn that on no matter where you at. You know what I'm saying? You feel good when you hear it on the radio. Man. So you spoke about all of the amazing things that your company is doing. What's next? And how can we as a community best support all of the work that you're doing? Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, just honestly, just go to the website. You would just go to AFID.io. So that's A-P-H-I-D.io. Just click the button that says join beta. Beta is just an early version, a very, very early version where we have your email. We'll send you out updates as the, the mobile application is, is being updated. So you'll have the mobile app where you can, you'll be able to track your, your earnings and everything on the go. But we'll also have a web application where you can sign in to your dashboard. We can install all the plugins and everything to see more of the advanced analytics on what your bots are doing. But that's the best way to tap in. If you go on the social media, you'll, if you just type in AFIT, you'll see, you know, you'll see the AFIT bug icon. Just click on that one. And you'll see AFIT right there. Click on that and then you can follow there as well. And we will post different things from the company. That's really what we need for support, to be honest with you. That'll, that'll do everything. And, uh, we'll have incentives uh, in terms of like digital assets, which is um, cryptocurrency. So we'll have incentives for people who will be sharing to their friends and things like that as well, built into the growth of the product uh, that'll give you a reason to, to spread the word. Man, I received that. I received that. We'll make sure people are aware of that. So I know you shouted out the website, but where can people find you in a social media space if they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, Brandon and then last name Cooper, but in the Cooper... It's just two zeros instead of the O's. So Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, and then C, two zeros, P-E-R. Better it up, better it up. We'll make sure we get that in the show notes along with the website. Brandon, man, this has been fun. I appreciate you for being on here. And I just wanted to say that before we get to our last question. And that final question for you is, what does Detroit mean to you? Everything. It's, uh, it's my roots. And um, without Detroit, there is no me. I love it, man. Short, sweet, and to the point. Brandon B. Coop, thank you so much for joining us on Detroit Worldwide, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Shout out to the homie Montez Allen. This has been fun, bro. Keep doing what you're doing, black man. I love it. Learning as you did music, we're going to have to talk more offline about that. And also, sure. as a father, bro, I said this earlier, just given the times that we in, keep feeding life into your son and create that generational wealth, bro. If that's what you're trying to do, do it yeah. and just keep on putting on for the city, bro. I love it. Love to see it. Most that, bro. You already know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So on behalf of Brandon Cooper, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide. And we're going to holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Loving what you're hearing? Then feel free to leave us feedback. Feedback can be posted online when listening to Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find us on the gram at Detroit Worldwide Podcast and on Twitter at Detroit World Pod. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you. <laughs>